Catherine Hoffman is coming to speak to us this morning. She is a current member of the North Church. She's been attending with her family for about six years. Um, she's been married to Ben for over 23 years. They have eight children. Much of her personal ministry has been naturally speaking with other moms, praying with and for moms and teaching and training her own children. She's also served homeschool families by speaking about various topics, about homeschooling, and also here at church. Came to the Parenting Sunday School class and shared about their family. It's her passion to encourage and pray for mothers and their families in their walk with Christ as they embrace this good gift of motherhood. Her family loves to be together. They enjoy ultimate frisbee, family cabin trips in the summer, bonfires, attending sporting events for the kids, walk card games, snuggling up for family movie nights, and baking double batches of dessert recipes. Um, And lastly, they really enjoy hosting families in their home for worship and fellowship nights. They've chosen to homeschool their children and have done so from the start and are in their 15th year of that journey. So thanks so much for coming. So I just want to thank you for having me speak. Um, This is part of the Lord using me in unexpected ways, I think. Um, I've enjoyed attending moms on Monday nights and just getting to know many of the moms at church and um, different ministry than I have been a part of. So that's been really great to meet new friends and sisters in Christ. As you've heard, I've been married to my husband, Ben, for 23 years, and we have been blessed with eight children. My oldest is Grace. She's 19. Then I have seven boys to follow. So Peter is 18. Paul is 15. Andrew is 14. James is 11. John is 10. Luke is 7. And Timothy is 5. My family life has truly been filled with the goodness of God and his presence and love and protection and his great care and guidance for our family. I would love to share with you a little about our family life and how the Lord has moved with granting great blessing and growing together as a family. This is me sharing about my life and the ways in which the Lord has directed me. And I think of, you know, gardening and a ways that we can produce good fruit in our life. And I just want to say we can do square foot gardening, we can do, you know, fertilized gardening, and we can produce good fruit. So this is just ways that the Lord's worked in my life and um, ways that he's directed me. And many of you are directed in different ways. You know, some of us are working mothers, some of us work part-time, some of us are home with our children. And so I just want you to look through the lens of motherhood and um, the times that we are with our children. So um, one of my greatest joys in my life has been recognizing this call to give my all to the raising of our children, teaching them truth, living life with them, and cultivating wisdom in their hearts as servants of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful to the Lord looking back as he shaped and molded my heart and guided my husband and I in these decisions, revealing his goodness in family life together. Christ has always been so faithful along the way in this journey of parenting and motherhood. There was strife in my young adult um, life as a new believer my extend- with my extended family due to Catholic beliefs, and I chose to separate myself from these Catholic traditions. Jesus was the only way, truth, and life in my heart. And this began a deep prayer in my heart for the Lord to use my life for his glory, for my life to bear fruit, for mended and reconciled relationships, for my family, including my future children, to display the works of the Holy Spirit in our lives and hearts to bring glory to God and make him known. 
Matthew 5, 6, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It can be a difficult journey to walk through disapproval from parents as a young adult, questioning bringing dishonor to your family name. But with each year that passed, I leaned on my heavenly Father and his love for me and trusted him with my future and my prayers. Even what the enemy means for evil, I trusted the Lord would use for his good. Fast forward a few years later and two children later, we had a life-changing experience that propelled us into a life of intentional parenting. We heard about and were intrigued about family integrated churches and we searched for one online and found one close by where the children remained with their parents during the service. We'd only been there maybe three or four weeks and a man approached us. His name was Joe. He was about 65 years old, he had six grown children, and he told us he'd been watching us, and he thought that um, he could tell that our children had, our daughter had too much control in our family. And at first, I was very taken back. I mean, a 65-year-old man talking to a young mother and husband, you know, I, I think we were very taken back. But deep down, our hearts were soft, and we longed for wisdom in parenting. The Holy Spirit used his gentle reproof to wake us up and just start thinking about intentional parenting and praying about what he said. And it set us on a course for intentional biblical parenting. In a little bit, I'll give you six things to think about that we have utilized in our family over the years um, involving intentional biblical parenting. The Lord placed us in this church in 2007 to grow in wisdom and raising our children, to have our eyes open to what a true blessing a quiver full of children would be. Many of these families had children who are loving and serving and caring for one another's. And we noticed this, we, we observed it, and we were drawn to this goodness of Christ working in these families. There were many families five to ten years older than us that had good fruit in their lives, raising children, and we were able to glean from this wisdom. The Lord has always been good to our family, directing us as parents to churches where we could grow and flourish and serve him and brought people into our lives in his timing for our growth. Over the years, we prayed for godly mentors and we sought them out. This goal, endeavor, and prayer in my life has taken great personal sacrifice, and maybe some of you can relate. I have a bachelor's degree in actuarial science, followed by a good-paying job with an upscale company, but I felt torn between work and home. And I did scale back to two days a week after my daughter was born. And when my son was born, I did quit um, to be home with the kids full time. We felt led in this direction. This was the direction that our family was led in. I, um, I think of George Mueller, and um, he was going through you know, biblical training. Um, he was a missionary that worked with orphans. And I know in his early life, his dad was like, I want you to be a pastor so you can have a salary and you can have a stable job and not go be a missionary. And um, George Mueller walked in obedience. And it may not have looked like what the world wanted. And I, <clears throat> I'm just saying this is the path that the Lord asked me to walk on and that we were obedient, even though maybe to the world that didn't look like the right decision. Um, my husband was a young self-employed realtor and we had unpredictable income at times and it was so it was a big decision and a leap of faith but we trusted that all we did in faith and obedience in christ would honor his name and he would supply all of our needs money was often tight for us but we held the course with our goals and having me home with the kids and god was a hundred percent faithful to see us through financial hills and valleys 
Philippians 4.19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. It was around this time that even though Grace was young, that we discussed homeschooling. I wondered, can I do this? How can I do this? It was an idea that my husband shared with me, and it took me time to think and pray about this before coming on board with the idea. I think initially there was fear of man. What would others think? Instead of just being truly concerned with what would God think about this, it would allow us to spend more time with our children, teaching and training them. And with the Lord leading, I trusted him, and we started this journey of homeschooling. He brought individuals into our life once again to share their experiences and their blessing, and I learned from them. I'm so grateful for the Lord's direction in these early years of our family life. As Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 6 states, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. This sounds like steadfastness to me to be faithful in our homes teaching our children. This verse encourages us to always be teaching and is still an encouragement to me each day as I still have a lot of teaching ahead of me. Steadfastness in the Bible is a word meaning to endure patiently, to be reliable, faithful, and true to the end. It's a quality of Jesus and of those who trust in him. Steadfastness is the result of testing our faith through trials and difficulties. It's also the source of perfect peace when we lean completely on God and his promises. We all have struggles of various kinds within our families and within our lives. And motherhood is hard work, and our work is never ending. We're helping children, we're comforting them, we're guiding them, we're training them, we're discipling them. We have days of being overwhelmed and exhausted and maybe even feeling alone. But through my many years of motherhood, God has been my strength. I've walked through so many difficult days of serving, drawing strength from my Savior. The Lord is good and faithful. Psalm 28, 7 the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give him thanks. It's the testing of my faith through the daily trials and difficulties that I'm granted perfect peace from Christ as I learn to continually lean on him and his promises in scripture. This takes patience and renewing of the mind as we work with our children each day. We can see our children as pupils in life. And it doesn't matter what type of education you've selected for your child, if you've, you know, but it, it, it's when you're with them, you're walking by the way with them. We are their teacher, and they're learning from you. They're learning your, um, the way that you trust the Lord. They're learning to look to scripture for truth. Luke, um, Luke 6.40 says, a student fully formed will become like his teacher. So we, we, we want to look at our children as students um, in any capacity that you're with them. Being in Christ, I was no longer living for myself, living for Christ and his purpose. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Just like Jesus, living with his disciples, loving them, giving instruction to them, forgiving them, training them, to serve and to go out um, and serving them until the very end in his final moments. He transformed their lives, and all of us here can seek to do this in our homes as mothers. 
Make it a priority and feel your calling from God to do this. The Bible is very explicit that it's God's plan for our lives to inspire our children to be steadfast and to drop their fishing nets in their own lives and embrace God's purpose and mission. We can pray for one another, we can encourage one another, and we can be hopeful of God's promises together. Our culture teaches that children are a burden financially, physically, and emotionally. The Bible says just the opposite. Children are a blessing. Psalm 127, 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gates. Having eight kids is a lot of work, but children are a true blessing. I worked very hard for my degree, and I was on an excellent career path to potentially make quite a lot of money. But the Lord called me to this great work in my home, to take up my cross daily, to deny myself, and lay down my life for others, namely my children. You know what I found? I've really found that denying myself and the pouring out that I do each day, I'm filled. It's in the giving that I receive from the Lord, his goodness, the filling up of grace and mercy in my life from the Lord with an abundance of joy. Yes, it's hard work, but I can honestly say that my heart is truly full. My children are truly one of my greatest blessings in life. My husband just went through the seven-week men's study called Man on a Mission, led by Tom Dodds here this fall at the North Church. And they went through the book called God's Good Design by D. Michael Clary. I love this quote from the book that my husband shared with me. Jay Putsitsuski said, Children change us in a way we desperately need to be changed. They wake us up. They wet their diapers. They depend on us utterly. Willy-nilly, they knock us out of our selfish habits and force us to live sacrificially for others. They are the necessary and natural continuation of the shock to our selfishness, which is initiated by matrimony itself. Their presence in my life has created an environment for me to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, for selfishness to die and for selflessness to grow. As much as I love to see my children grow in godliness, the Lord is equally, if not more important, working on me, helping me to grow in patience, love, joy, and peace. How can you lean on Christ more in the ministry of motherhood and look to him for guidance in your daily life with your disciples in training? Maybe he's working on you in these areas as you teach and train your children. I have had times of doubt. Am I doing things right? Am I doing enough? Is this child ever going to change or grow out of this phase? Will they learn? Will they grow in obedience? Do they feel loved and cherished? These times of doubt turn into prayers in my life. It's beautiful to turn our concerns into prayers. We can turn to scripture like in this lovely calendar of prayers that they gave us on our first day here with moms this year. Pray these as you go about your day. Pray over your children. I often found my prayers were short, maybe even only one sentence, and even just a few words. If I was struggling, it might just be, Lord, help me. But with each moment, the Lord would carry me through my days. Talk to God, lean on him, and look, and you can, um, I look back and think of having five kids under 10, and see how God carried me through. Cry out to God and he will answer. Look to the Psalms. These help me to fix my eyes on Jesus and ask for help.
Ask for his blessing over the situation. Growth may not be something that we see day to day, but something we can look back on over the years as they go by. Maybe you can relate to seeing glimpses of the Lord's goodness working in your family. It is what always gave me hope. The Lord is working in the hearts of my children. Maybe it's behavioral changes, a repentant heart, an act of service. So many ways he can shape their hearts through the power of his word and prayer and training. Now I have a 19-year-old, and I'm thankful for the goodness of Christ in answering prayers. His goodness seen in the fruit of my adult children and my children who are rapidly approaching adulthood. The Lord in these moments has answered my prayers from young adulthood to let the bright light of the Holy Spirit shine for him and for his glory in my life and through my children's lives. It did not take long for this to be recognized in my extended family and for relationships to be mended. He has protected them and given them the time they needed to flourish in his goodness. He has drawn their hearts unto him. Grace, Peter, and Paul were baptized on Resurrection Sunday two years ago. My daughter Grace and son Peter are members here. They have a deep love for the word of God and compassion for others and a spiritual maturity to continue to seek wisdom through Bible studies, small groups, and godly mentors that I think only comes from the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. They're involved in serving at the North Church in different ministries such as worship and prayer. My three oldest children had a heart to minister to the middle schoolers at camp last summer and speak encouragement into their hearts and pray for them to draw closer to Christ. They have excitement in their hearts to share of the good news of Christ. Even more than these outward acts of service, it is their repentant hearts I see. I see them run to Jesus when they sin. They're convicted of sin and seek wisdom and welcome uncomfortable accountability from us as well as mentors and trusted adults as they walk through life. This is one aspect of the goodness of Christ in family life as we study 1 Corinthians 15:58. This work of motherhood has eternal consequences that are a blessing for generations and for the advancement of his kingdom. See this opportunity of service to the Lord as important work. Through your doubts and failings, Christ is working. Christ is doing the work. Your labor is not in vain. Be steadfast in the Lord. Continue his work in your home. So many mothers feel insufficient, including myself. At times, they don't feel like they have the right gifts or talents needed. And we can compare ourselves to others. And I love to think of the miracles of Jesus turning water into wine. Jesus did not just create wine out of nothing. He asked the servants to bring them wine, to bring them water. And from the water, he created the wine. He did the miracle. He used this to perform the miracle. Or the loaves and fishes, he used two small fish to do wondrous miracle and feed 5,000. In my labor of the day-to-day, -day, I bring in service to Jesus what I have, and he does the miracle. Christ does not want me to compare myself to others. He wants me to give what I have in obedience to him, to empty myself in service to this ministry of motherhood, and he will do the rest. He will do the miracle of drawing my children's hearts to him, saving them. In the desire to be effective in pursuit for, our sp for the spiritual, emotional, and social training of our children while they still remain living in our home, my husband and I were greatly helped by these six things. So I'm just going to first read off the six things, and then I'm going to go back and revisit them because it, it's a lot, and it gets maybe a little confusing with all the numbers. So number one is creating a family mission statement. Number two is family 
prayer, devotions, and worship. Number three is setting up family rules. Number four is living a family-integrated lifestyle. Number five is training. And number six is discipline. So we created a family mission statement. Um, Maybe this would be helpful for your family, and you can do this with your husband. And um, we did this for our business, and so we overflowed it into our family. Our state's living life together in such a way that creates an environment in which every member of our family is able to grow into the person God wants them to be. Our children can recite this and know it well. We cherish living life together and press forward together, growing in Christ-likeness. There are many Christian resources out there to help you effectively formulate a godly mission statement. You can seek the Lord on this together with your husband and pray about it. What is the purpose of family and your mission in life? How will you achieve your mission together? And I, I just want to kind of, um, as before we go through this, I just want to say that my husband and I are very laid back. We have eight children, and the house is chaotic and busy, and my house is not always clean. And um, But these are just um, things that we've done to... Um, to work and grow in Christ together as a family. So um, I don't want you to see this as real rigid, but I just want you to see it as a gentle training and loving um, how we've loved our children over the years. So number two that I mentioned was family prayer, worship, and devotional time. We would strive each day to have family prayer, worship, and devotional time. And this may be 10 minutes a day. This may be 20 minutes a day. But even 10 minutes a day, like we all can find ways to fit in 10 minutes a day to be intentional about um, sharing the word with our children. So we would do this. Examples of prayer time, maybe um, going around the room and everybody has a moment to pray whatever is on their heart. Um, Sometimes we would draw names and we would have um, somebody assigned to us for the week that we could pray for in our personal prayer times. Or we would also practice laying hands on one person a day and practice praying for that family member that we can encourage them, we can bless them, we can pray for healing, um, whatever it might be. But lifting up requests to God as a family is, is powerful. Um, we would strive to do a devotion each day, which would include a variation of tools like missionary stories, Bible history books, apologetic books for children, along with just straight reading from the Bible. And we would usually end with a song of worship. Number three is we set up principles to strive for and family rules to follow. Each day as we recite our family purpose, um, we would list out godly principles and our 11 rules. Kids feel safe when they know boundaries and expectations. And I do have a handout on the table so it's easier to follow along, but again, it's not something that, like, I don't recite the rules anymore as a family. Like, we would maybe highlight a rule if there's some issue with um, something, but once your children know the rules, you don't have to keep saying them every day, but they're, they're good principles to look back on, and everybody would have their own set of rules in their family. These are ours, and so I'm being very vulnerable about the things that we've worked on with our children in the past. Um, our principles that we have are, number one, hard work is a gift. We work hard to honor God. Number two, we make decisions that would be pleasing to God. Number three, we honor others ahead of ourselves. Number four, we respect our elders and those in authority over us. Number five, we always seek to do our best. And these principles are things that I could sprinkle throughout the day. You know, when, it, when, um, 
we want our children to work hard and we want them to honor God, to, glor to glorify him. And so, you know, whether we're sweeping or whether we're, you know, we would even bring it up to dad level where, you know, whatever he's doing at work, he wants to do to the best of his ability, strive to do our best and work to honor God. So these are things that you can, that we sprinkled throughout our days um, to teach and train our children. So we had these family rules and they were things that um, created order and peace and um, as we worked on these with our children as they grew up. It's not something that happens overnight. It's something that is an ongoing process that you allow the Lord to work in their hearts um, through his truths. So rule number one, always have a joyful and cheerful attitude. Smile all day. Proverbs 15, 13, a glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is crushed. Rule number two, always tell the truth. Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Rule number three, be a giver and not a taker. Philippians 2.3-4, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Number four, obey mom and dad right away. Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Number five, clean up your messes. Galatians 6, 5, for each will have to bear his own load. Number six, show respect to elders and to each other. Arm's length rule. Romans 13, 7, pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed. Number seven, no whining. Psalm 19, 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Number eight, no fits. Number nine, no pity parties. Number 10, sit still and quietly during devotions, church, prayer, and mealtimes. Number 11, be serious and sober-minded. No excessive silliness. So I just want you to understand our family is just so laid back. It wasn't, it's not like super rigid and, but we do expect our children to obey and we would reference, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And when it comes to rule number six, show respect to elders, arm's length rule, we wanted to teach our kids to have, um, be, have a respectful boundary of people's personal bubble, and the arm's length rule was just teaching them to make sure you're invited into personal space before you just jump into grandma and grandpa's arms and knock them over. Like, they were just little things that we were sprinkling into their hearts to make them aware of their surroundings and, um, and behavior. Um, sit still quietly during devotions, church, prayer, and mealtime. No, our, our mealtimes are not dead silent. Like, we have meals exactly like all of you. Everybody's talking, chitter-tattering, and it's joyful and cheerful and lovely. But we just wanted our children to be respectful at the table. And maybe that was our way of, um, at the time, because, again, these were made a long time ago, um, you know, sitting quietly in church. So maybe that it, but it doesn't mean they can't whisper. It doesn't mean they can't come to us. Um, you know, being um, quiet at mealtime just means we're not going to shout. We're not going to climb on the table. We're not going to put our feet on the table when you just have a lot of kids. We just, we needed rules. So, so I don't want you to look at this like it's super rigid, but it was just boundaries that we had for our children as they grew up. And I, I, I do think of like all of these healthy boundaries that the Lord has for us and how many times in history do we see healthy boundaries and rules and structures that the Lord has placed for our safety and for his love for us. And I even think back in the Garden of Eden, the Lord had boundaries, right? He said, don't touch this tree. Don't eat this. You know, he said, don't do that. And so 
these were just rules that we set up for our family. I feel very vulnerable sharing them with you because I just want to encourage you that we all have things in our family that we're working on, and we can go to Scripture, and we can um, use Scripture to speak truth to our children's hearts, and the Lord will help them grow. Like, in His timing, He will do that, and we can have patience, and we can love them in all of these moments that we're growing with them. So again, like I said, you may have a complete different set of rules, and yours may be two rules. You know, we were talking last night with moms, and one of the moms had kind of just a one-sentence rule, but it was one of those rules that kind of encompassed everything, you know? So every family is different, and so I just, um, like I said, just feel vulnerable sharing that with you, but it's, you make it your own. You, you, every family is different, and that's what's so beautiful about the Lord is He's created each of us so different in his image, you know? So number four was family integration. And we chose to live a life with the mindset of being together as much as possible. Choosing activities that tailored to the family, staying together, mom, dad, and kids, especially when the kids were young. When doing life together, there is more built-in accountability and training that happens in the moment. And so again, I'm just going to kind of list off a lot of ideas. And my family is the way that the Lord created our family. And we have these specific interests, but we're all created so differently. So maybe in your mind, you're going through other different um, hobbies and things that your family has and and ways that you guys um, kind of stay tight-knit and connected as a family. So for us, these activities included family devotions, prayer and worship times, read-aloud times, homeschooling, enjoying the gift of hospitality, inviting friends into your home for playdates. And for example, with that, like we may not always invite um, one friend. We might invite a whole family over. So that's just one example of kind of including the family in the hospitality um, as a whole. Dinners with families for fellowship and worship nights. We found extracurricular activities, even sports in which we can all enjoy or watch as other family members practice and found ways to serve together within our church and community. We work hard together with chores and keeping up the house as a family, finding joy in all of these things. One example of hard work was when you used to heat our home exclusively with wood, even in Minnesota. We would head out in the woods with all of our kids and we would take down a tree and we would haul it back up to the house. And, um, you know, I don't know if my kids would say it was a joy when a tree was taken down and we had to haul it all the way back up to the house. But um, these times of hard work have ingrained in my children um, deep friendships with their siblings that will last a lifetime. And we can look back and see and praise God for the growth in Christ-likeness in each of us, in our purpose, in the moment as we worked hard. We can give thanks to God for work, and you can find ways to work and serve as a family too. There's something very intimate about a family, one that works together for good. We clearly see our struggles and our failures, but also praise God together for our growth, and we can encourage one another. So keep your family relationship strong. There's an attack on the family, the definition of family, the breakdown of the family with everyone going separate ways for weekly activities. You can pray about decisions in your life, home, and in your home to keep your family tight-knit. What activities do you say yes to, and what activities do you say no to for the good of your family and your growth together in Christ? Some questions we would ask are, can siblings be together? Can mom and dad volunteer and be present? These are important questions to ask. Um, I love how the, the men's study this fall that they did do, they welcomed 15 and up. So... For example, my 15-year-old son was there, and my 
uh, 18-year-old son was there as much as he could be. He does help out with worship, and so sometimes worship was on worship practice was on Saturday mornings. But my 15-year-old is not a father. He's not a husband. And many of these discussions revolved around being a husband and being a father and leading a family. But we can bring our children alongside us um, in our work, in our studies, and we can, we can teach them valuable things that they'll carry with them into adulthood. And when they're faced with, um, faced with things in the future, they'll look to scripture and they'll think back to some of this, some of this training. So number five was training our children. We would take time, maybe three minutes, a day, you know, not not excessive, um, but we would practice situations, and maybe when they're older and in middle school, it's it's a verbal thing. It's what when this happens at school, when this happens at middle school, how do we respond? And we we kind of role play a little bit, you know, and um, it gives them um, it gives them uh, you know it. It builds them up to know how to respond in a Christ-like manner in certain situations. And so when they were little, it would begin with um, obedience. And we would, we would practice things like just saying to them, pick up this cup and bring it and put it on the counter. And we'd all laugh because it's so simple, right? Just pick up this cup and go put it on the counter. But we would watch it that, as that child obeyed and everybody would watch. And it would just be a little tidbit of a life lesson to them to obey. And when your children learn to obey in little things like that, they'll learn to obey in big, th- big things. And it doesn't take long, you know, even, I mean, we did start this very young, three, four, five. And when they're eight, nine, ten, they see the good fruit of some of these rules. They see that it, it, it produces peace. It produces joy. It produces righteousness in our behavior and, and character. And so, um, you know, we may, when they were little too, we would have people act out like, what does a fit look like? And everybody would just be rolling in laughter because when you see a 10-year-old throw a fit, because they're just modeling it, I mean, it's, it's, it can be a funny thing, but it can really teach a three-year-old looking on when they're not in the moment of a fit what they look like and what that looks like. And so... Those are examples of little kids, but again, you can, you can take it into um, context of just ha- having conversations with them about when this happens, this is how we respond. And they, they will learn, and they will grow, and they will, their character will produce good fruit from those conversations and from the Lord working in their heart through sharing scripture with them. So... Um, we would we would discuss um, throughout some of this again three four five minutes, but just the training of you know what happens when we have disobedience, we have disciplines and consequences, and what happens when we have obedience, we get blessings, and so. Um, these, would, these routines, again, I said they changed over the years as our kids got older, um, maybe into more discussion. And um, when things happen, they may come to the forefront in training and discussion in the next day or two. But when children are well-rested and not in the moment of difficult situations, they can process a situation and learn what response Christ would like them to have as you teach them. And with consistency, they will learn and grow and change. Other things that have been helpful are just having family meetings when we have things to address. So whenever that would be, it would not be very often, but sometimes we'd just be like, hey, we're having a little meeting and talk about sin or schedules, difficulties in the home, a new set of rules or acts of service coming up, hospitality. But these family meetings can be very effective to let everyone have a chance to share their feelings as we make parenting decisions and set expectations. 
Training sessions as they got older involved conversations, again, um, about electronics. We keep them out in the open areas of the home. Computers and phones stay in public areas of the houses. We don't really spend a lot of time in bedrooms other than sleeping and changing. We discuss how to treat the opposite gender. Um, we're very open about sexual temptations and how to protect ourselves from falling into sin. We read all of the Bible and do not skip parts. We explain to them um, in age-appropriate ways some of the meanings of the Bible, and we want to equip them for their future and include all warnings and instruction from the Lord. And lastly, number six is just disciplining our children. There needs to be consequences for sinful disobedience. We discipline them when they choose to honor themselves. There should be a healthy fear of mom and dad and consequences if these rules and principles are not followed. We always um, discuss the situation first in private, allow them to explain, asking them, do you think you did wrong? Maybe even re referencing a rule and a verse. Were you honoring God or were you honoring yourself? Were you being a giver or a taker? These are common phrases around our house. And the children would agree that they needed to be disciplined or there needed to be a consequence for their wrongdoing. They would repent and receive forgiveness and grace. As John Piper said in a Desiring God article on October 29, 2013, titled Parents Require Obedience of Your Children, it's a very short article, a couple minutes to read. I thought it was to the point and very worth reading. And here are three quotes that were throughout the article, so they weren't right in a row, but they really stuck out to me. The work it takes to be immediately consistent with every disobedient bears sweet fruit for parents, children, and others. The second one was, parents can learn from the Bible, what, from wise people, um, what is possible, what is commanded, what is wise, and how to do it in a spirit that is patient, firm, loving, and grounded in the gospel. And then lastly, children need to obey before they can process obedience through faith. Hebrews 12.11 says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Looking back, I'm just grateful for the strength of the Lord in each of my days in motherhood. I'm thankful he's shown himself steadfast to our family by walking with us in this journey of parenting. His goodness and faithfulness reign in our family life, and we're thankful for a man named Joe who decided to step out in boldness and speak some truth to us such a long time ago. Our family life has not come without trials. Um, I remember back during the recession in 2007, um, our family was hit very hard. It was a good three-year span of overwhelming stress and times with many unknowns, including in one of our pregnancies. In that time period, we had baby number three and baby number four. Um, we had just moved into our, um, into our hobby farm, and um, the Lord um, carried us through a winter by helping us. We, my husband sold cords of wood to just kind of see us through um, when none of the houses could sell. Um, the houses were not selling and the, um, the banks were in distress um, looking um, at a lot of foreclosures and short sales. And it was at that time that um, things were very tight and um, the Lord carried us through by providing, um, my husband does have background in maintenance and um, 
remodeling and he um, picked up job sheetrocking. He um, provided a job for a year at a um, high-end wood with a high-end woodworking company. And each step of the way, we could see the Lord providing for our needs, for our immediate needs. Um, the house payment need was very difficult and the banks had put pauses on all foreclosures at the time. And so we were waiting on the bank, we were waiting on the Lord. And my husband thought maybe we should move out of state. And I didn't think that was such a good idea and I was really struggling with peace in my own heart, but I was very consistent with my time with the Lord. And um, he really stretched me, he stretched me to, um, to trust him, to trust my husband, to um, to find a way and to and working through my heart that he allowed me to come to a place to um, tell my husband like whatever you think I think it was hard because I was attached to my house to my memories to my extended family here to um, all of our friendships and um, our church families and I just was like how can we just leave all this and the Lord brought me to a place that I could say Lord. I trust you. I trust you, and I trust what's happening, and I trust this. You know, as an actuarial analyst, things were not adding up with our budget, right? That can be very hard for somebody who's a numbers person. And um, within a couple days of surrendering and verbally saying that to my husband and surrendering to the Lord, um, the banks gave us a call and modified our loan and gave us a discounted interest rate, tagged on the portion that we owed to the back of our loan, and... Um, Within a few days from that, the Lord had provided um, for two full years of remodeling work through extended family members, just four large remodeling. So that carried us through three and a half years of what I would call a hardship, you know? And the Lord is faithful and just to carry us through hardship. His steadfast love for us is just never ending. And so that was a trial that my family went through. And we just, we just trusted God. We trusted God through having children, through, um, through the difficulties there with pregnancy, the unknowns of not being able to see our little one until birth. And um, just it was really a big deal to surrender some of the things of this world, you know, our house our extended family relationships, Minnesota, um, and see the Lord work through that. So I just want to thank you for um, having me speak today, and um, I hope that at our tables we can discuss the ministry of motherhood, and um, I'm sure some of you have some wonderful ideas of how the Lord is working in your family and how um, you implement devotions in your home and child training. And we can encourage and pray for one another to bring glory to God in our family life. He is our guide. He is with us along the way. He's promised that to us. We can look to those promises every day. We're a call to teach and equip the next generation and remember all of his promises each step of the way. You were handpicked by God to be the mother of your children. See your work in the home and with your family as important work for God's kingdom. Let's, let's pray and close, and then I can open it up to questions. Lord, I just thank you for each of these moms that are here today. I thank you for our children and for, um, for these families. I pray that you would always be our comfort in the midst of trials, that we would lean on your steadfast love for us, Help give our families strength to persevere in faith through trials and difficulties in life, Lord. Thank you that you do not expect us to do this walk of life alone. 
but that we have Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would show us ways that we can bring the truths of your word and bring them to our children and help them be more relevant in their lives today. Thank you that you are with our children wherever they go and that you have access to their hearts. Teach them to respond to your comfort, guidance, and strength and teach us to, to trust you more with their lives and with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.